Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. All right, so I finally get to interview one of my all-time favorite people in the whole world, Maggie Barney. So Maggie, first of all, thank you for being on this podcast. It's been a long time coming. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Tina, for having me. Oh, this is so great. Okay. I want to know, or everyone wants to know, like, why did you even start this nonprofit? And I'm just curious on your salon. Did you have the salon before you started the nonprofit or after? Tell a little bit of that story. You know, a little backstory is that honest to God, I have been in the beauty industry and love it. And I love every aspect of it. So I've done everything from working behind a chair to being a platform artist, to being a national and international platform artist. Mm -hmm. So I just love the beauty industry. And I did everything from hair to nails, to makeup, to stage and theater makeup. I mean, I just love it all. And, um, and, And it's exciting. And then I realized after about 20 years of the business, that uh, it was time for me not only to learn and take, but time for me to give back. And so I opened my own salon and I had managed and been educational director of other people's salons, but my dream and goal was to have my own salon. I was a single mom and I wanted to wait until my kids were old enough that I could focus on the business and because I was a mom first. And then, you know, my career was was important because it put food on the table, but my kids were first, my career was second, you know. And so when they got to be 16 and, and 20, then I knew it was time, it was time for me. So I was 40 years old when I opened my first salon, you know. Wow. And I it, so it was very exciting for me. And I was so thrilled to be able to do that. And now I could give back by training the people that would come and work with me because now I had reached a certain skill level myself. But I also have been a big believer in my whole life. I have lived this way. That's the way I was raised. My mother died when I was eight years old in a car accident. And uh, my grandmother took my brother and myself in and raised us. And so we were raised Southern Baptist and uh, pretty strict, you know, and which is fine. I have good morals and good values. And that's carried me. My faith is what carries me through. And um, but I remember uh, growing up and, and thinking that, you know, my favorite memory of my mother was um, going to the salon with her. Because in the 50s, you know, in the late 50s, women went to the salon every week and got their hair done. And I remember standing by the chair and looking up and thinking, someday I want to grow up and make people look pretty too. And I have never wanted to do or be anything else. But with saying that, this, this industry is so vast and there's so many opportunities that you can do that um, I've been able to do it all and enjoy it all. But I've always been a big believer in giving back and that's the way I was raised. So once I achieved a certain level, I said, okay, I, and I'm involved with my church and I volunteer at my church and our minister was on stage and said, Uh, is there anybody in the congregation that could help me? I'm going through cancer and I need help with a wig. And our program was televised. And he said, and I need help with makeup, I'm sure. And um, 
So I went to the office and volunteered and that's how it started. And so I helped him as he was going through his journey with cancer. And when he passed, I thought there's so many more people out there that need our help. And so I went and became certified and accredited through the Look Good, Feel Better program uh, through the National Cancer Society. And I have been teaching that program and still volunteer and teach that program for 35 years. Wow. And, and, uh, and committed to that, committed to our adult patients. It was through that program, Tina, that I had a 16-year-old kid that came to me and she, you know, came with her mom and I thought it was her mom that needed help because the mom had shaved her head too. Because they do that sometimes in support of each other. And I um, realized that there was no program for children. And I thought, well, I'm certified and accredited to work with adults. I own a salon. Um, you know, how many kids can there possibly be? And 4,800 children and families later were sitting here having this conversation. Mm. So... Unfortunately, there's about 500 newly diagnosed cases of children with cancer every year right here in Michigan. And, um, and we only service children of Michigan because my belief is that charity starts at home. And so, and that's why another reason why I developed that program to train other licensed professionals so that they can go back in their community, back into their state, back into their country. Because I get calls from all around the world uh, of people coming and taking the class and wanting to take it back to their hospitals, to their cancer centers and help their communities. Because as we know, because you gave me another uh, wonderful opportunity that, you know, when I spoke to Paul Mitchell and it was universal, like worldwide one time I got to do an interview. And because as we know, hair loss is not local or national, it's universal. So it's the same language, we're all talking, you know, and uh, unfortunately the same thing is true with cancer. So when I started this program, it was about helping kids with cancer. And um, I soon realized that uh, I started getting calls from other people and they thought, well, would, would you help us? We have alopecia or trichotillomania or hydrocephalus or burn survivors, dog bites, lupus, blood disorders, Down syndrome diabetes. And I'm like, oh my God, I've been in this industry for how long? And I did not know that these different disorders or medications they take for these disorders actually causes them to experience hair loss. And what is, what happens with hair loss? A loss of self-esteem, a loss of self-image, a loss of identity, a loss of self-worth. And you think, well, when you have hair, you think, well, it's not a big deal. It'll grow back. Well, you think that when you have it, but when you don't have it, yeah. it changes your world. And so, you know, we started helping kids. And another thing I was not aware of, uh, and I would like to share is when you're an adult and you're diagnosed with cancer, you're looking at one year is your treatment plan usually. For a child, you're looking at a minimum of three to five years. Mm. The recurrence rate for children is about 75%. Wow. So I don't see these children once, Tina. I see them again and again and again, and I watch them grow up. And um, I also lose them. Some of them I lose, about 25% of them we lose. And we celebrate their life and the time that we were able to share with them. 
And it is an honor and privilege to serve them and their families. And we do their wigs for their funerals. And I go to their funerals because these are our kids. This, these are kids of our communities. These are our children and these are our future. And so um, I am grateful that God has ordained me to do this. This is not something I would love to tell you that I am just this holy self-righteous person who just wanted to save the world like our wonderful mother Teresa, but that's not true. I believe that God was preparing me uh, to do this work uh, for the 15 years before I started Wigs for Kids, 20 years before I started Wigs for Kids, he was preparing me to work with children because I got to work with adults. And, you know, as adults, we're just kids in big bodies. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. So as he was getting me ready and teaching me and honing me and shaping me how to work with children. And so for the last 18 years now, I've had the privilege of doing that. I can't tell you it's been easy. It's been a challenging journey, but it's been a rewarding one. Yeah, wow. Oh my gosh, there's so many questions that I have for you. Um, I love the mere fact that you've serviced 4,800 children. Do you service adults still too? I do, I, because I said to my board when we started Ways for Kids, I said, this was my foundation and my adults, like, like I said to you, are just kids in big bodies. And when I started this program, Tina, our first fundraiser, we had over 600 people lined around the building for an $8 a plate spaghetti dinner. Yeah. Because these are all the people that for the last previous 15 years, I had helped their mothers, their fathers, their sisters, their brothers. And whenever I started to work on a wellness center, I went to these eight hospitals and said, you know, that I now work with the ones that I had taught the adult program at, I said, I need a dietitian, but I can't afford to pay you. I need a child life specialist, but I don't have any money. I need, you know, and yeah. all these people came and helped and still to this day, help us. To this day, they still volunteer and help us. My lawyer, our accountant, you know, that's true. That's all true. That's amazing. You know? Because, you know, if we, every, every dime we receive is from the generosity and kindness of the community. So it's either a business, uh, an or, you know, an, uh, another nonprofit that we partner with, but it's usually a business or individual or corporate or um, school or church or club. And they go out and they raise funds and they, they come because they believe in our mission and they volunteer here and they donate their hair. And that's what makes it possible for us to continue to do the work we do and service these children and expand our programming like we have now. Yeah. So talk about this because I know you don't just provide wigs. You do so no. much more. So walk me through, um, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm a client of yours or a patient, so to speak, coming into your place. Uh, where would I start and, you know, sh share with me like some of the things that you would offer? Okay. Well, first of all, we usually get most of our people from, from schools because teachers okay. will contact us and let us know that a child in their school or their community needs our service. So we get them from schools, churches, doctors, and hospitals. Usually that's where, or individuals like 
grandparents will call because their granddaughter was diagnosed or, you know, so we get them from, from the community, you know, that we live in. And so what we ask them to do is go online at WIGS and that's with the number four kids.org and they fill out a two page application. And they, when they hit send, it comes directly to my email. I read it, we contact them that day. There's no waiting, there's no qualifying. We help everyone, we charge nothing, we turn no one away. The only thing is you have to be a Michigan resident and within the age of like three to 18. I get calls from the hospitals Sometimes the kids are over 18. I've never turned a child away. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, well, she's 19 or, you know, and I go send her to me, you know, I don't turn anybody away. So, uh, and then when they, when I get their, their application that I call them and I talk to the mom and, or dad and, and we set up an appointment and I ask them to send me pictures over if they have, when they had hair or before they've lost their hair, if they haven't lost it yet. So I can see the length, the color, the texture. So I, I can, I have about 200 wigs in the building so that I can pull something that looks similar. So when we do try these on that, that it may not be their size, or it may not be their length, but at least it's something, you know, a lot of people have this image of their grandmother's wigs, you know, they're old right. and hot and heavy, like a helmet yeah. and they look terrible. And yes. so when they walk in here and they see we have wig walls, and so it's all full of beautiful styles and wigs. And so when they walk through, they get, when they first come, you know, they are greeted with, um, you know, greeted at the door and they're given a tour of the facility. Then they, they watch the, so that they can see everything that we offer. So then they'll learn about, they're entitled to all of this, you know, and then they meet with me and we give them a welcome bag. Um, you know, before they leave. And I, I meet with them and sometimes, Tina, they don't even uh, want to make eye contact with me. You know, they are angry and they don't want to be here and they don't want to be sick and they're, they're upset and that they're going to lose their hair, especially when you're a kid. And, uh, and they're frightened. And they sometimes have already been through so much and they're so sickly or they're just starting their journey and they don't know what to expect and they're so scared. And by the time they leave here, you know, we just love them through the process. You know, we, if they're angry, that's okay. And if they cry, we cry together. And if they don't want me to touch them, then we make another appointment for another visit, another day. You know, I never, it's all about them. It's always about them and their comfort and what they want and what their needs are. So if they want green hair, we give them green hair. If they want pink hair, we give them pink hair, whatever they want, you know? And the mothers will sometimes say, well, now, you know, um, she, I don't, her hair doesn't need to be that long. And, and, you know, I'll talk to the mother privately and I go, really? Like at this yeah. point, really, you know, does it matter? We can cut it later. Let's, if she wants hair down to the, her waist, let's give her hair down to her waist. Right now, I just need to win her over and win her trust and make her feel good, you know? And so, um, and so that's what we do. And so when they come in, you know, the kids never tried wigs on before. They have no idea what to expect, you know, and if they have a brain tumor and they're radiated on one side of the head and they have hair all over on the other side, they don't want to wear a wig and the wig won't stay on right. So we ordered them a custom piece to put over to blend in with their own hair. And so they can still have part of themselves and nobody knows. And so each wig or unit is custom made for each child based on their needs. 
and like the cat construction, you know, based on their disorder, you know, for comfort, our burn survivors, it's a different cap than what we offer our alopecia kids, which is a different cap than we offer our cancer kids. Why? Because our kids with cancer, when they stop treatment, they are starts to grow back and they, they don't immediately not wear their wig. It has to be a wig that's adjustable that will stay on their head. So as their hair is growing underneath the wig, they can still have the look. They can keep that consistent look. And when they're ready to do the unveiling, that's what we call it, then they let me know when. And uh, I, never, I never push them to do anything. I always let them be in charge because they have no control over what's happening. So I let them tell me. So then they usually, you know, by then, you know, we make it happen for them. They don't really understand the timeline that when you start treatment, you have two weeks and how does it fall out? You don't wake up one day and it's all on the pillow, you know, and I go through that whole thing and explain that to them. And then how after the second week, by the third week, it's completely gone. And so then I, so they know what to expect. So we have a timeline and I have a temporary wig that I put them in until their custom wig comes in so that they never have to worry about, they're gonna be bald. You know, their friends are gonna see them. So um, we make sure we have them covered. And then people don't realize that when you do lose your hair, you lose 40% of your body heat out the top of your head. So they're cold a lot and they sleep with the sheets over their head. And so we give them a sleep cap. I tell them it's jammies for their head. And uh, we give them a whole wig kit. They get the whole wig, everything to maintain and take care of it, shampoo, conditioner, drying rack, netted cap underneath if they have sensitivity, uh, comb, brush, you know, instructions. And then they're, they can bring it in and we can do it together the first time if they're not sure, although they get the instructions and I go over it, but they're inundated with so much information. And sometimes it's just overwhelming or they have chemo brain, they call it, you know, a little bit of a fog. So I just tell them, you bring it in and we'll do it together so that they feel comfortable. And uh, so we give them everything they need. And then when we're done, they get um, to go to the enchanted tea room and they get, we have like five drawers full of candy and they get to just pick whatever they want as much as they want. And, um, <laughs> you know, and take that and, you know, we have treats for them. And then we have a wonderful welcome bag. Thanks to the Lions, uh, International Lions. They, they support us all throughout Michigan and they provide us, we get the uh, travel my pillows and we have ladies from the church who make the pillowcases and, we have blankets that are made with the real soft material because they spend a lot of time in the car traveling back and forth. Right. And we get uh, gift certificates donated for gas and for them to stop and have a healthy lunch, like maybe at Panera's or Subway or, you know, tropical smoothie. A lot of kids love the tropical smoothie. Yeah. So we put that in there for them. So when they're traveling back and forth and, and we always give them a game to keep their hands busy, a puzzle and a game and some doodling, like coloring, you know, uh, adult coloring as well. Because if they keep their mind busy, their hands busy, it helps with keeping their mind busy too. And, uh, and then when their friends come to see them, they have something to do when they're in the hospital or when they're at home resting. Mm -hmm. So we try to set them up with some comfort. We call it our comfort bag. So we, we provide that for them too, but this is all, all because of the kindness and generosity of people that were able to do this because all of this costs a lot of money 
and people step yep. up and go, what do you need? And I go, okay, I need pillows, travel pillows. And I get 20 delivered, you know, <laughs> so, or I need baskets to make raffle baskets and they, you know, I get them. So God bless everybody out there who help us to do. And I say, this is God's work. Everybody out there helps us do God's work. That's what we're doing every single day here. And uh, as long as, uh, you know, I, I never worry. I stopped that years ago. Mm. I, never, I never worry about where our good is going to come from. When you're a nonprofit and you got COVID going on, nonprofits are hit pretty hard. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, everything we have needed from day one of this program has always been provided through someone, through people like yourself, through organizations like Paul Mitchell, through organizations and businesses in the community. We're really, really blessed. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you, you not only provide all of those items, but you, I understand you also provide therapy and nutrition we counseling. Do. So talk a we little do. bit about that. Cause that's incredible. So every child, when I first started it, we didn't offer this and have this. And I realized after working with them that the appearance and the image is so important, but also it's the psychological, social, and emotional components as yeah. well. So although I would help them and do help them with the, the wigs and then, then, you know, once they trust me and they, they feel comfortable and then they know they can come back and have their makeup done and their eyebrows done and we can show them how to put eyebrows on when they have not. And now we've added the nail component where they can get manicures and, you know, uh, of course, if they're cancer patients, they, they can't, you know, because there's certain rules for cancer patients, but the rest of our kids can. Um, but, but we've also added, uh, you know, the whole component of the psychological, social, and emotional, which we had, we added that in 2010. Uh, and so when we grew into a wellness center, which I never, you know, I knew it was necessary, but I had no idea that it was that necessary. It grew 72% the first year we introduced it. Wow. We were shocked because it was like, oh my God, you know, I fortunately at that time had never had a child with cancer. And so I really thought I had worked with, with kids with cancer. I mean, worked with adults with cancer, thought I understood it. And, uh, but until I think it touches home and, and these people, come in and, and I see that they need more than a wig that helps them to go back into society and look and feel normal, but inside they need, they needed help. So we added that component. We added nutrition. We work with the dietitian, oncology, pediatric dietitian. And so we had cooking classes and we did field trips and, and uh, they learned about, and they, we made muffins and and cookies and, you know, but healthy and vegetables and veggie pizzas. And so it was, and so those are fun times, but when you put kids together and they're having fun, if you tell them to come to therapy, nobody can't, nobody shows up, but if you wrap <laughs> fun around it, oh my gosh, they were, and it doesn't matter, Tina, if they're three or 18, who doesn't like muffins and cider, you know, in the fall. So, um, and so age didn't seem to matter, but really what they didn't realize is we were getting them together for social benefits. And they started exchanging phone numbers and they started meeting friends. Because you know, Tina, when they're first diagnosed, everybody is right there for you. Your family, everybody gathers around you, your community, your schools, 
Well, when this goes on two years, three years, five years, people get on with their life and these children start to isolate and they feel alone. So this was so beneficial, not just for the children, but we would have the children in a fun sand uh, art painting class. The parents would be in with our therapist having a group session with our therapist because they want to know how to handle their kid's anger. They want to know what do I do when she doesn't want to eat. So therapy was a huge component. And so, and I realized early on that if I didn't wrap fun around it, it wasn't going to happen. So we, you know, and so we started doing field trips in the summer because they isolated even more in the summer. And so we started doing cruises up the Clinton River, uh, lunch with kids kicking cancer and our kids. So they can meet other kids besides the Weeks for Kids kids. And, and we would have lunch. We had a DJ and, and everybody got a gift. And so, you know, we, we just come up with creative ideas where the kids could be with other kids like themselves. So. Wow. Okay. I want to talk about like how people can help. But before we do this, I'm going to call this Be Significant. And the reason why I'm going to call that is because once you taste significance, success will never satisfy. And that's totally you, like you have tasted significance, but you know, you said you were raised that way. And I love that you said that you were raised with good morals and good values. And so foundation was already set for you. Let's Mm -hmm. think about the people that are like, you know what? I didn't, I didn't, wasn't raised like Maggie. Why is significance so important? You know? And I, I think, you know, most people say, yeah, I love to be able to give back. Like there's something inside of us. And I think it's God given that's inside mm-hmm. of us. Uh, but mm-hmm. I also think that like, it gives you like this mad rush too. Like it's, it's so exciting. It's so much better than coffee. It's so much better than drinking, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. of just giving yeah. back. Like once you start giving, like you mm-hmm. just, you can't stop, you know, and where was it for you, Maggie, in the beginning? And so talk to that person right now that's thinking, you know what, I feel like I, I really haven't been, I don't feel like I was born for a purpose or I don't know what my purpose is and I don't know what to be significant for. How did you find that for you? Like, how did you know that this was the way that you were going to, you know, really, really create your legacy? You know, I think that uh, in our industry, we, it's such a wonderful industry and it's so diverse and we can we make people feel good every single day right behind our chair. And that feeling of having that kind of feeling of knowing that you make a difference in that person's life, the one that's sitting in your chair, you know, and I I have had that blessing of being able to do what I love every single day of my life. And, and I still love it. 50 years later, I still love it. So, I mean, so it's my passion. It is. And so I'm blessed with that, but I didn't know that this was going to be my journey. None of us know what our journey is, but I think that uh, for me, I, the turning point for me was I, I was raised to give back. I was raised to tithe. I was, this was ingrained in me as a child and growing up. So that's, that's who I am as part of, of my nature, who I am. And I knew the work that I did was important before I started doing Look Good, Feel Better, because I know the difference I make in my clients' life every day. So that was the, that was the, for me, 
when I saw the impact, they walk a little taller, they smile a little bigger, they feel a little better, and you're so important to them, and they make you feel so important because, you know, um, you are important to them. You help them with their self-esteem. They help you. That encourages, you know, it encouraged me to be the best I could be. I always wanted to be that, you know, because I wanted to be my best for them so that I could help them. I mean, it was just like a circle. You know, it, the more I helped them, the better I felt, the more I wanted to be better at what I might craft so I could do even better and help more and then give back to my my peers and teach. And so it was just kind of that that was but that wasn't when I got into the nonprofit. And then whenever I realized in my 50s that it took me a while, I guess, because uh, in my 50s, I realized that really this was my life was not to be lived for me. I lived my life for my children. And, and because I was a single mom, I was, you know, uh, my mother died very young, like I said. So I always, my, my life was, I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to be the mom I never had. Yeah. And so being a mom was really, really important to me. So I put my career and everything on hold. So that's why it took me to 50, Tina, to realize, because then I had a chance to really have my own career, my own business and excel and do what I wanted to do. And then I realized in my 50s that it wasn't about me anymore. I had attained a level of success and skills and talent that now I needed to take this and now I needed to give it back to others. Even though I had done that behind the chair, I got paid for that. I now had to share this and give, you know, this talent back. That really wasn't mine, that it was my, that God gave me this and I just developed it. You know, it was a gift that he gave me and I developed it and now I had to share it. And I have an obligation to give it back. And when I said to you earlier that it's not been easy, it's not. The journey's not been easy, but it's always been worth it. Yeah. And once you know you can't not know. So when once I knew that these kids didn't have options and they needed help, I could not not know. It was easier for me. It would have been easier for me to, you know, to turn my head or look the other way if I was not who I am. But I'm glad I'm who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. You said it won't be easy, but it'll be worth it. You know, just kind of going back to that why, you know, my team, our, our salon leaders, we had a meeting and, and we were just like really talking about why did you get into this career? You know, and it's, it's, the roots are pretty deep when you start to dig, it's like seven layers deep, you know, finding it. And like you said, you know, you lost your mom at a young age and you're like, you know what, my why is I'm going to be the mom that I never had. And it's so true. It kind of goes into that cycle. Like I'm going to do what my mom didn't do. You know, we kind of watch people and think about what can we do differently. So let's back up for a second. You were a single mom, mm -hmm. you were a hairdresser mm -hmm. and you were able to raise your children on mm -hmm. your own with a hairdresser salary. Thank God. Talk about Thank that. God I was a hairdresser because I could work my career around my life instead of the opposite. I could still, I was room mother. I could still go to all their events. I never missed a thing. My daughter said wow. to me in, in seventh grade, she said to me, mom, could you please not sign up for this field trip? I've never been on one without my mom. You know, so incredible. But, but that was my goal. That was my dream was, you know, and so I, but because of my career, I was able to do that. I was so blessed. 
Well, let's yep. talk to those parents that are like, oh no, you can't be a hairdresser. You're not going to make any money. You just totally ruined oh. that. Hello. Oh, thank, thank God. Thank God I ruined that image because it's just not true. And when I work, when I get new people in here and I get young people in here, I say, don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't make a lot of money in this exactly. industry. I said, there is the for-profit and non-profit and I've been in both and I am in both. And I'm telling you, all you have to do is do a good, I said, you have to hone your skills and be the very best you can be. And every day you're going to improve. And as you grow and improve, the, the better your skills are, the more money you will make, the more talented you are. But it has to be, you know, it's not anybody else's responsibility. I always tell me, you want to make more money? Great. Learn more, do more, be more efficient. You know, it's, it's pretty simple. It's not difficult. And I, I think that people unfortunately have the wrong image of this industry. This is such a wonderful industry where you can make as much as you want. Yeah. And you can do anything you want. Look at the things I've done. You read off that list of awards. Tina is gracious as I am and as much as I truly appreciate those, I really don't care about those. I know you don't. I know they don't. They tell a story about you, though. That's what I love about them. They totally tell the story about you're an optimist. You create magic, volunteer of the year, Michiganian of the year, right? Hope Award. You know, it just tells a story. That's why it's so important that you have those on there, Maggie, because the legacy that you're leaving. But, but Tina, my legacy is in every child I served. Yes. That is my legacy. I don't, those awards, I'll tell you what I use those awards for and thank God for them. They're a springboard for me. They're a platform. I can get my name out there with wigs for kids. I can reach more children to serve. Yeah. I can get more volunteers to come and help us do this work. That's what I want to do. And do I use that? You're darn right. I do. It opens doors for me. I'm yep. not ashamed of that, but that certainly isn't who I am. It's but what the way I did. that you did that, and I love this so much because successful people will do all the things unsuccessful people won't do. And yeah. that's this, like you got yourself out there, you, you know, always a learner. And, but you also said, learn more, do more and be more. And you added efficient. Yes. And I love that you said that because first of all, let's talk about learning more. Let's, let's talk to people right now, like whatever career you're in, I sure hope it's your purpose, you know, because mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, you have to find that one thing that you're so passionate about, you know, and you'll make as much money as you want to. It doesn't matter what career you're in as much money as you want to. And that's why I love the, the beauty industry, because I love, you know, being able to be significant in that area. Like you're saying, I have 20, you know, young 20 year olds making six figures behind the chair and, you know, yeah. and then some are making half of that, but they're happy. Like whatever you want, you can have, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, but you said, learn more, do more, be more efficient. Talk about that. How did you learn and hone those three skills because I think that says it all. I don't care what career you're in and you're listening to this. Those are three of the most important skills that you can do. Well, I don't think we ever stop learning and I don't think we should. I mean, yeah. you know, I wasn't raised on a computer. I thought a mouse was something that ran around the room, you know, and then I had to go back to school. Yeah. So life is, you know, a constant learning experience and and people you know I myself I have to learn I have to grow that's what feeds me I have to you know always 
be open to new ideas. I don't shut my mind off to anything. I always have to be open to new ideas and look at things from a different perspective, you know? And I, I surround myself with people who are smarter than me or are, are more knowledgeable about something that maybe I don't know. When I say smarter than me, they may know something I don't know. And I'm willing to learn. I don't care how old I am. It doesn't matter how old I am. I don't know everything and I don't claim to know everything. So when we're learning, we're all learning together. I just hired a stylist. She's got 12 years experience and she's like, you know, she's so in awe of my skills and she's teaching me uh, a new technique on French balayage. And I'm like, honey, listen, I haven't done this in a while. I haven't done the French balayage ever before. I've done balayage. I said, I would love to learn this. And, and I said, when I stop learning, I stop growing. Yeah. When you stop growing, what happens to a plant? You die. It stops growing, it starts dying. Yeah. Okay. So I don't want to do that. I don't, I want to continue to grow and be open-minded and appreciate these wonderful young people. And these kids are so smart. I learned so much from them too. And and be open to that and and let them help me, you know, like to learn more and keep growing. As long as I'm in this business, now you know this business, it changes constantly. So if you don't change with it, you're losing ground. Yeah. So you have to be on the cutting edge to even be not even in front of it, just to stay up with it, right? So I love learning and um, that's just natural who I am, whether it's the industry or computers, which frustrate me because I'm not as good as I wanna be, but I'm better than I used to be. So I'm making progress, right? Absolutely. So, Me too. But I, work, I, I work with somebody who's excellent. And so she just, you know, does this stuff like breathing. And so I'm learning from her. And, uh, but, you know, and I love the new Zoom. And, you know, and now we're, we're kids are in their hospital beds. And the child life specialists are measuring their heads and I'm measuring a mannequin and we're doing it through Zoom. So I can have their wigs ready when they come home from the hospital. Now think about that. What if I, what if I wasn't open to this stuff, right? So you have to always, well, I feel, I know, I know it's important to be successful, especially in business. Oh my God, of any kind, you have to constantly be willing to learn and grow. Yeah, 100%. I love that. So yeah, learn more so you don't die. We talked about right, that. Right. And do more. Like, let's talk about that. And, you know, what I want to, you know, to be significant, you have to learn more, but you have to do more. And, yeah. you know, finding that area that you can serve. So how how is it for you? And have you seen hairdressers that you've trained over the years that, you know, they thought they wanted to do this? but then they get around their first child that has cancer and then they mm -hmm. walk away and they don't come back because yeah. of just the heartbreak yeah. that they have. Maybe it triggered in them something. Yeah. Has this happened? Like talk a little bit about that and how did you press forward to do this, to say, you know what, I'm sticking with it. I'm staying with this. You know, Tina, that is probably my, my largest issue with what I do is People come and take the class and you've had many students do that. They love it and they're all excited about it. But then when they have to have a father carry his child in and she's on a feeding tube yeah. or they die or they lose them, they're like in the parking lot crying. I don't want to do this. I can't do this. 
there's no way I can do this. So I think, honestly, I think that um, even if they don't do it every day, there's people in their chair every single day that needs their help, that they can help in a different way, maybe to not, not to that degree where they do it every day. And so I understand and respect their feelings. I wish I had, I wish I had more soldiers in the trenches with me. You know, it's not like we haven't trained them. We have, but emotionally and psychologically, it's difficult, but we also have therapy available for our therapist. I mean, for our stylist, she can see our therapist here at no cost. And we offer that. So to all my employees, even the ones that don't work with them hands on, they see them walk through the door. They see, but they also see they get well. They also see they grow up. They see that they graduate from high school. They get married. They have kids. They come back and volunteer. So they see the upside of it. But there is a downside. But isn't that true with life? Yeah. I mean, that's true with every walk of life, no matter what you do. If I could just get somebody to stay with it long enough to understand that that was one of the hardest things for me to grasp whenever I was going to funerals and I was like, and I would have such a hard time with it. And then I saw my therapist, I saw a therapist and she said to me, just remember that for this amount of time, no matter how short it was, that the impact you made on that child's life and the help that you provided for that family, you know, will live on in their hearts forever. You know, and um, so you did make a difference, even though you lost the child, you did make a difference. It was important. She was able to die with dignity. You know, she was able to see her friends. And 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 that is like salve on the wound. Mm-hmm. So when I think of that, when I lose a child, I think of that, or I see a child who's really sick, I rub the salve on the wound. But I can tell you that kid will walk through my door and be sick and I will smile and I will care for them and I am fine. And when they leave, I cry. I still do, you know, because it's, I'm human because I don't want to ever not feel that way. Because when I stop doing that, then I don't care about the individual anymore. It's just another number a person. I love these kids and I want to always be sensitive to their needs and always care, you know, how they're doing. Wow. So I do more because I think, well, that's the only way you get it done. Tina, you know. <laughs> My God, look at what you've done. You built an empire. You built the yes. Be Amazing Tina Empower. Empire. Oh, we're speaking to the choir right now. I love it. This is so big. Okay, the reason why I think this is amazing because the mere fact that I remember when um, I was talking to a friend of mine who was diagnosed with cancer, oh. but I also remember a time in my life when I it was really hard for me to talk about cancer until mm-hmm. I got it. So when mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with a precancerous lesion back in 2014, and then afterwards, I met, a, I met a friend who had cancer, but I would not have been able to probably be there for her. Well, she told me her, one of her really good friends, who was her neighbor, never even came over to do anything. Right. But here's the fact, like, you've got to face your fears. And so if you're listening to this right now and thinking, I don't know if I could be around those kids, like, and volunteer trust me, like just show up because like you said, if if it's triggering something that you can't do it, then something's wrong because Mm -hmm. you should be around every, you should be able to be around every walk of life, you know, Mm -hmm. and and watching my father die last year, Mm -hmm. you know, as much as horrendous as it was, I was so glad I was there for his very last breath. And 
you don't like you always are so excited about a birth but you don't talk about death of how beautiful that is that he you know is going into heaven and and the beautiful you know just dying was beautiful you know watching that with my dad it was sad but it was beautiful at the same time but i thought to myself i did a lot of work to get to that spot in my life you know and some people can't handle a death and so they go through the grieving process is a lot more difficult and so it's like you know what figure it out now and be in front of these little children and be in front of, you know, and even though it hurts and it's so painful and you're thinking you can't, like, you know, maybe you're listening to this right now with Maggie and I, and it's like, she's even providing therapy because it's like, okay, what's going on? What's the root of this that's causing this anxiety, this angst and this turmoil inside Mm -hmm. of you? And it's something I've been working on for the past year, Maggie, and figuring out like, what's the root of, these thoughts, these toxic thoughts running through your mind, you know, Mm -hmm. and really getting deep to reconceptualize, to redesign so that I can be more significant and I can get in front of every single walk of life. And that's the beautiful part about being a hairdresser, Maggie, right? We're in front of every walk of life. My husband, who, as you know, he was a lawyer, just retired 30 years, you know, um, as a lawyer. And he said his, the smartest people he knows is hairdressers. He said they're, <laughs> they're smarter than lawyers because they've been in front of every walk of life. They have like that street smart, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Yes. So beautiful. So how can someone volunteer for your organization? How could they get a hold of you to be a part of this, whether a hairdresser or not a hairdresser that's listening to this podcast? You know, Tina, I say, if you're breathing, I have a job for you. Okay. Yeah. Because there's always something to do and many hands make less work. And people will say, well, I, you know, I'm not a hairstylist, so what could I do? And I go, well, you could be a greeter. You could come and put a package together. You know? So all you have to do is just have the heart. Yeah. You just have to have the heart of a servant. How can I serve? How can I serve? Because when you're serving these children, you're serving God. You're serving the community. You're serving your fellow man, you know? Yeah. And it's, and that's what we do behind our chair. Every single day we serve the community. This is what, it's no different. And when I talk about the kids that, yes, we lose some of them, but 75% of them survive and grow up and go on. And the joy that you get in knowing that they come back here and volunteer because they know the difference that you made in their life. And now they want to pay it forward. So There's so many things that happen, so many different dynamics and good things that come out of this. Is it sad sometimes? Yes. But but we also, they are so very grateful and the families are so very grateful. And that's really important. So you want to get involved, come and volunteer at Wigs for Kids. You can go online at wigs, www.wigs with the number four kids.org. And you can fill out a volunteer app We do a background check on every single person, nothing personal. We just want to make sure that if you're going to be here and around our kids, that, you know, our kids are safe and our our environment is safe so that we do that. And then once we get that, do a background check and then we call and we invite you in. We ask for a four hour block of time because 
when you come here, you really do something that makes a difference. You don't just come and hang out. You come here and you, you know, if you're a cosmetologist, you know, we'll wash the wigs together or we'll blow them dry or we'll flat iron them. And when you work on that wig, you won't just work on a wig. You're going to get the folder with the kid's picture and you're going to see the before and after picture. And you're going to know that child's name and you're going to know the purpose and reason why you're working on this wig. This is not just a wig. This goes to a child. This belongs to a person. And so I think that's very important that they understand that. Or you can come and, and join our tea party and serve tea, you know, dress up like a princess and serve tea to our kids for their in the chemo parties. I mean, or you can come to an event and we do a lot, a lot of cut-a-thons and um, people have cut-a-thons. And so we do a lot of those. You guys have done them with us and for us, you know, at the Relays for Life for many years. You guys came and brought your, your future professionals and your instructors and came and, and helped us, you know, at those in the summertime, we do that is to encourage people to donate their hair and grow it out. So how can you help grow your hair out? You can make a difference. Donate your time, your talent, or your treasure. If you don't have the time, then you can certainly adopt a kid. And we have an adopt a kid program. So you can sponsor a tea party for a kid. Go online and look and see how you can contribute financially, uh, how you can make a difference by volunteering if you, and, and or both. Or you can, I need committees. I, you know, we have a gala every year, of thousand people, probably not this year because of COVID, but, um, you know, we make baskets and, and we, you know, gather items. There's so much to do. You don't have to necessarily be in this industry. You're a makeup artist. Come in and do a class with me. And let's do makeovers on these moms and make them feel good, mm. you know, and give them facials. And so there's so many, you know, you guys have all this wonderful talent. Come and give it back. You're not always working on a sick and dying child. You're working on children who are just people like you and I and their parents. And they just need to be loved through this process. So, and that's a language we all understand. Yeah. Oh, Maggie. Oh my gosh. This is so beautiful. Yes. Be significant, you know, join the Wigs for Kids movement because that's what it is. And what mm -hmm. I love about you, you're not just keeping it there. You're training hairdressers all over the world yeah. that come in. So if this is a hairdresser listening to this right now, how can they get a hold of you to come and take your class? How long is the class? How long does it take? And all of that. Well, it's called Cuts for a Cause because it is. It's, you know, and, and you can take this back to your community. We have a hospital in India who's sending over their whole medical team to take the program and they're taking it back to their it's a cancer center so you know you don't have to necessarily be a cosmetologist you do have to bring a cosmetologist because somebody's going to have to go back with this information but they're bringing their whole team over it's a two-day program which doesn't sound like much but um it's pretty packed full. We start at eight in the morning and, and we even work through lunch. You know, we, we do, you know, we watch DVDs through lunch. So, cause there's so much to cover. And uh, when you come here, you don't have to bring anything. We provide everything. Your kid has everything. It has a human wig, a synthetic wig. So you can get to practice. It has scissors and razors and combs and brushes and wig stands and drying racks and, you know, everything imaginable. You can go on our website, you can look it up cuts for a cause, you fill out the paperwork, and it's a $1,200 program, That's what, and that's not a one dime for the class, that's just for the kit for what you get. 
to be able to attend the class. So if you are approved and you have to be approved by our board of directors, Wix for Kids will pay 600 of it. You have to pay the other 600. Wow. But if you are a Paul Mitchell student and you get approved from your school, then you get to come for free. But you also, we do background checks. You have to get drug tested. We're pretty strict about it because you're gonna be you know, working on children. So if you, you know, if everything is good and you get selected, if you're fortunate enough to get a scholarship from your school, you let us know, you know, the school will contact us and you are welcome to come. You don't have to bring anything but yourself. And it's a two day program, but it's very intense. You know, it's a lot, but I give you everything to take home so you can do it successfully after you leave here. Yeah. Just, just coming here and getting a lot of education. Everything you need, you can take with you. And, uh, and if you have any questions, I'm always available. And uh, I always return my calls and my students, if they work with you know hospitals in their area, the hospitals call me, I work with them. And we work together to make this happen because the reality is, Tina, we need more people doing this kind of work. Yes. The need is so great. And so, and they don't have to do it full time. You know, I have, I have cosmetologists, I have uh, over 600 schools and salons signed up, registered with us, who, you know, will send us hair. They may, they may send us hair. They may come and once a month, it doesn't have to be an every week thing. They come once a month, they sign up for once a month to come in and, and work with me. And when a cause comes here, I work with them personally. I don't, they don't work with my team. They work with me because, you know, it's, it's fun. I like it. You know, I like working with them and, you know, we're talking the language and it's, right. you know, it's really neat to watch them and see how they react. And, and sometimes the child is not here. We're working on the wigs, getting them prepped and ready for the kids. And then they read their files. And by the time they leave here, they're so proud and they style it for the child. And then I take a picture of the child, I send them a picture after so that they know the child got the wig and they were happy with it. So it's that heart connection. I think if more people really knew Tina, yeah. in our industry, we're so giving. We're so, that's our nature. Yeah. We're so giving and we care. That's, that's who we are, you know, as an industry. And so I think if more people actually came and experienced it, I think that they would be inclined to do this more. So all of you listening out there, come and help me help the kids. Mm, wow, Maggie. Yes, yes. Come in. I love this. Okay. And I cannot wait to see the new wellness center. We will be there soon with my grandchildren. Okay, great. Excited about this, Maggie. Thank you for doing this interview. I know everyone's going to just absolutely love it. Can you give one last piece of advice, encourage or challenge anyone listening, why they too should be significant? Well, I think that we are all significant creatures were God's children. We're all significant. We're here for a purpose and a reason. And I didn't wake up one day and know what my purpose was either. And, and just live your life and make, you know, every day is significant. Today is significant, right? Every day is significant. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. So don't waste it. You know, don't throw it away. It's a gift. And, and as you do that every day, Pretty soon, the, the, it's almost like a puzzle. It becomes clear as to what your purpose is. 
I don't know a lot of people just know what their purpose is. I think it's revealed to us bit by bit as God hones us and develops us and, and, you know, teaches us, then we can become the people that we're meant to be. And it, by, but I always say I'm obedient. If you ask me something about myself, I would say I'm obedient. I'm obedient. And I don't, I, I have to be honest. I don't always want to do things, but I'm obedient because I know that is, what I need to do in order to be right with God and with my soul and to continue my work and my mission, I have to be obedient. So I don't always want to, but I always do it because it's the right thing to do. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.